recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Hey, this is Kurt Angle, and welcome to the Kurt Angle Show. On the show today, I'm going to talk about my first time being the WWF champion. But first, let me introduce to you my co-host, Paul Bromwell. How you doing today, Paul? Hey, Kurt. I'm doing great. It's great to see you, as always, here on the podcast every single week. What a privilege to sit down with your Olympic hero, my Olympic hero, Kurt Angle. And, man, we've had quite the run the last few weeks of shows. We're getting a lot of positive feedback uh, all the way back from when we had Corey Graves on. And then we watched you win the WWF title, defeating The Rock. Then we had King Booker, Booker T, join us. And then one of my favorite episodes, and we've gotten a lot of fun feedback, is Ask Kurt Anything. It's where we learned your dating game and how terrible it is. Uh, everything was eating good in the neighborhood at Applebee's. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> man, what a, what a great time. And it's been a fun last month or so here on the show. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, having Booker on, Corey Graves on. Uh, those guys are really good. I mean, I, I, they told some great stories, and I really enjoyed having them on the show. Yeah, and listen, we're not done. Uh, there, there's a possibility we could have another big guest next week. We're trying to nail down details. If not, we'll have another I fun heard. show. I can't wait to tell everybody. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if it happens. We can't let the cat out of the bag yet, but uh, we're excited. But yeah, quite the run here on the show. It's been exciting. But not only that, there's a lot of cool stuff going on in wrestling. Since you and I last spoke, Huge weekend in WWE Survivor Series. Let's talk about the first return. We talked about it last week. Randy Orton, he's back. What did you think? My goodness, the man looks huge, dude. Your yes, buddy. yes, he looks like a superstar. Randy Orton being back in the WWE, uh, that, that's the best news I've heard in, in a couple of years. I mean, Randy is really special. He's an, an unbelievably talented individual, and I think the WWE really needed him. Yeah, well, and you know what? He has uh, obviously worked hard. They said uh, on, I think it was Michael Cole mentioned, or one of the announcers, that he's changed his diet a little bit and uh, doing different things with his workout, and he is jacked. He looks like he's in phenomenal condition. He, uh, he so does look great. He does look great. Yeah, and, oh, and man. I, I'm just happy he's back because he really struggled with that surgery. Yeah. His back wasn't getting better. He was really um, frustrated, and I'm just glad that he was able to make it back. Rumor has it that he was, uh, he adapted a steady diet of chicken snacks, a smart snack, crispy protein bites. Is, can you confirm that or deny it? Or yes, I sent it to him for free. That and the project one nutrition, the cookies and cream. I think oh, yeah, he's been... the cookies and cream protein. I put Randy <laughs> on the diet. Okay. Well, there you go, guys. That's been the magic ingredient, that Kurt Angle brand product. So check it out. But listen, we had, when we had Corey Graves on, uh, the surreal did happen because uh, we talked to him about it. CM Punk, he's back. Uh, how do you think he's going to do back in the in the WWE uh, this time, Kurt? It's great news. I I'm really surprised he's back. Um, I will say this: uh, if he keeps his nose clean and uh, doesn't uh, you know ruffle any feathers, he's going to have a great time there. He's going to he's going to really uh, be be huge for the company. But we know that CM Punk can 
sometimes get himself in trouble. Uh, hopefully he won't. I think that he's going to do really well for the company. And, and that's a big, big deal for the company right now to have him back. No doubt about it. Their social media, everything has exploded uh, with his return. Not only the return of Survivor Series, uh, then he came on, cut a promo at the end of Raw. His merchandise is already skyrocketed. Yeah. It, 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 this guy is just uh, a draw. Uh, whether you love him, hate him, yeah. it's, yeah. it's, it's unbelievable. And uh, the talk of everybody is, hey, what's this mean for AEW? Their their uh, outlook, you know, they're pushing hard. Their big Wembley show, uh, you know, is next year. Tickets went on sale. They're already seeing some strong ticket ticket sales for that. But uh, you know, what do you think that this? Uh, what do you think this does for the overall morale and outlook of AEW, Kurt? I, I wouldn't be that concerned about you know. Oh gosh, the company's going to go under because CM Punk left and went to WWE. Uh, one person does not uh, define a company and I think they're They're doing well right now. I think they're going to continue to do well. They're probably just going to get bigger and bigger because they're stretching out to international and, uh, you do that. You're starting to get, you're going to grow enormously. Yeah. They have all the right pieces in place. Uh, and again, you and I have said this multiple times on the show and you've said it a lot. Hey, the best thing for business is that everyone does well, uh, because more performers get paid, more talent gets paid, more behind the scenes production staff. Um, it's a competitive landscape, sure, as wrestling fans, but uh, you want to see pro wrestling do well as a whole. It's just best for everyone involved. So more jobs uh, for wrestlers. Yeah, job security. You got it, buddy. So listen, what a time to be a wrestling fan. I think that's what this what, what it really means. It's a great Sorry, time. It it's exciting. Lots of fun. The road to Royal Rumble. The road to WrestleMania. I mentioned in our earlier ticket sales for Wembley, lots of good stuff going on. TNA is back and they're coming on strong in January, you know, with their rebrand back to their roots. And so a lot of good stuff with wrestling and Kurt and I are going to he be here to talk a little bit about it as far as well as uh, go through Kurt's career. But before we jump into today's show, which is all about Survivor Series 2000, uh, Kurt, football. You went 2-0 last weekend. Yeah. You're, you're 16 and 8. You picked the Dolphins over the Jets. That happened. And my God, now there's rumor that Aaron Rodgers could return by the end of the year. What do you think of that news? I you know what? He he did didn't he blow out his Achilles tendon? Yes, he tore his Achilles. Okay, that takes a freaking year to heal. There's no way he's back already. Or he won't he should not be back by the end of the year. Take I don't know time. if he has some incredible trainers. Or if he's taking some amazing drug, I have no idea. <laughs> right. This is unbelievable. I never heard anything like this. this. This procedure he had done was uh the Rams running back, Cam Akers, I guess, had it done last season. And his return was quick, quicker than normal. I think he had the same surgeon, but still, man, why risk it at this age? Yeah. Jets you know what, though? I will tell you this. Uh, these trainers today, they're coming up with so many innovative Next ways of, of getting people back quicker. Yeah. So I, I'm not actually that surprised because it continues. Technology continues to move forward. And uh, these guys come up with different ways and different methods of getting people back quicker. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. He is the best in the in the world, uh, you know, handling his situation. So you picked Dolphins. That's the big win. The upset, you picked the Steelers to yeah. go into Cincinnati and beat the Bengals, and they finally broke over 400 yards. Yes, we know we need more points, but they got it done. They beat the Bengals. You went 2-0. 
Let's get into it. Who are your picks this week? The new offensive coordinator. I, I can only hope it was either like either, you know, we fired him. So now what are you going to do? Either you guys get your shit together or, you know, we're going to have to figure out even more moves down the road. So I'm just glad to see some type of, uh, it looked like they had some type of unity going on in the offense. Yeah. So, yeah. And pick so who you got this week, Kurt? Yeah. yeah. Week 13. What's your, what's your lock? Okay. Okay. This, this is going to be interesting. Obviously, for the lock, you know I'm going to pick the Steelers over the Cardinals. Cool. Cardinals. I'm going to be in attendance for that game. You are? I'm going. Holy crap, man. Okay, yeah. that's so. I, that's the game I was trying to go to. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. It didn't work out for me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But um, I'm going to pick the Steelers over the Cards for okay. the angle lock. And the upset, you're not going to believe this. I'm picking the Eagles. <laughs> Oh, okay. And so the 49ers are favored going into Philly. Yeah. 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 You know what's crazy? The Eagles are at home. They're nine and one, and the 49ers are seven and three. And the 49ers are favored to win. They are. Well, you know, it's going to be something. They want San Francisco wants a little revenge after last year's NFC championship when they lost Brock Purdy. Right. So, uh, man, and the fact that their favor going into Philadelphia is very interesting, especially like you said, with Philly's record. So you're going to go with the Eagles and, and the Steelers. Now, listen, I told you I'm going to the game. I'm also Mike Kyoto did a survivor league pool for our mailbag show. We do it with ad free shows. We are down to the final three and Kurt, I'm in the final three. Oh, wow. The final three win money. Okay. So I decided for my survivor pool pick this week to go with the Steelers too at home. <laughs> Good. I think, I think, I think you're safe with that one. I hope. Cause if not, I'm going to be leaving that stadium pissed if they lose, because it just sucks to see your team lose at, 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 at attending. And then also that means, means I got eliminated from the survivor pool. So we'll see what happens. Well, good luck, Paul. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Well, listen, we we spent enough time on on that. Let's get into what our folks are here to listen to and hear about, and that is all about you and your experience leading up to Survivor Series 2000. We're actually going to watch the match and talk through it with you and snakeskin pants-wearing Undertaker. We'll have fun (laughs) talking about that a little bit because he brought it up recently on his podcast. But uh, we're going to talk about it all now, and uh, you're the World Wrestling Federation champion. It beat The Rock. We've talked about that. Do you come in now, hey, just with the swagger, I got the belt. Um, are you thinking about yourself a little bit differently now that you're champ? Or is it like business as usual? I just got a big old title belt on my shoulder. You know what? A little bit of me was like, you know, I, I this is really cool because the company must have a lot of faith in me to be their champion. And uh, it, it's a big responsibility. Uh, but um, I, I, I wasn't really like... I'm the shit now. And you know, <laughs> it, it really didn't come to me because I was still learning. I, sure. I was learning the business. I was learning psychology. These guys were helping me out, my opponents. So I was still a student of the game. And I, 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 I'm always a student of the game. Don't get me wrong. But at this particular time, I was still learning a lot about psychology and uh, being in the ring. And I get that, but still, man, first year world heavyweight champion. And now you get to walk into Hartford on Raw as the champion and it's a big pomp and circumstance i mean we're going to talk about what they do that night but it's got to feel like holy shit i can't believe this all happened for me so quick because it is quick it it happened really fast uh you know but but i had i had so much fun my first year it was just a lot of fun blur probably you know going through the ranks and climbing every month and just going higher and higher and higher till i got to the very top 
it was it was so much fun doing it. It really was. Did you, did you get your own locker room or any special treatment? <laughs> you know what? Um, no, I, I I never asked for it. I never. I I don't feel comfortable having my own locker room because then you separate yourself away from the boys, and you don't want to do that. It's you know some some wrestlers do that, but you know they don't have really good relationships with the wrestlers. Like Undertaker never asked for that. He was always the leader of the locker room, but he stayed where the boys were. And if you don't do that, I'm sure you get a little heat. Sure. Yeah. I'm sure you start to kind of separate yourself a little bit from the locker room. That's never a good look. Now I do want to ask about creative because now that you're the world champ, I would think, or I would imagine that you get a little bit more one-on-one time or involvement from Vince. Did that process change? Okay. Yes. Yes. A lot. And uh, not only that, but he started asking me to go to the meetings, the production meetings. So the only two wrestlers that were in the production meetings were triple H and myself. And I, I went, I went in those meetings probably for a good three or four years. And, um, and then, uh, you know, after, after those three or four years, I thought, man, I, I wonder if I'm getting heat with the boys by being in the meetings. So I, I felt like, you know, I, I, I wasn't my place to be there. So I stopped going and I probably should have continued to go, but uh, Vince wanted me to learn the whole facet of the business. He okay. wanted me to learn production, wanted me to learn how to, uh, the writing and, uh, you know, the creative and everything. So he wanted me to go in there and get more experience. So I, I did that. I'm very grateful that Vince had me do that. But after a while, I started thinking, am I getting heat with the boys for doing this? So I stopped going. Yeah. You got to think, man, what a valuable experience that is though, for you, if it would be something that you'd want to parlay into a future down the road, just learning the ins and outs of putting on basically a television show, the creative behind it. I I did learn a lot, Paul. It was, it was really good for me. Yeah. Well, we're in Hartford and uh, it's you and Stephanie doing a major celebration, discussing how you won the European championship. The Intercontinental Championship, King of the Ring. My God, Kurt, I'm telling you, your rookie year is right up there with the best. And finally, the WWF Championship. It's balloons. It's confetti. They're putting this over as a huge deal. It had to be special, though. I mean, and all this with Vince McMahon's daughter in the ring. How cool was this moment for you? That was really cool. Um, I, I, I believe I got a lot of heat with the fans, but... Um, <laughs> You know, it, it was, you know, the celebrate yourself is kind of like, you know, you're kind of an asshole. So, uh, you know, the fans weren't exactly happy about it, but uh, it was a lot of fun doing it with Stephanie. Yeah. And again, this is the first Olympic gold medalist as WWF champion. So this is something that, you know, WWF can kind of pound their chest about and, uh, and brag and talk a little bit about it. It's a good, nice PR topic. Did Vince you know, was he cognizant of that and kind of talking to you about how this was such a big deal for him and the company to have an Olympic gold medalist as champ? You know what? He never mentioned anything to me, but, uh, you know, Jim Ross and Michael Cole would mention it quite a bit on TV. The first WWF champion yeah. that was an Olympic gold medalist. So I'm sure Vince was telling them to say that. that so, uh, you know, Vince never came to me and said, Hey, this is a huge deal, but obviously it was. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Well, Mick Foley comes out. He orders a three-way between you, The Rock, and Triple H for the main event. Big main event for you here, man. First night as champion, and you're already in a three-way with Rock and Triple H. This is like a pay-per-view match. You know what? Honestly, I I worked my ass off that year. Uh, When I had that title run, it was a good five or six months, 
and they were having me wrestle almost every week. With this triple threat, this was a repeat of SummerSlam, I believe, when I got yeah. knocked out from the pedigree on the table with Triple H. So this was a, another match. It was the same, you know, the same group of guys. Yeah, it is a, a nod to your SummerSlam match. Hunter's taken out on a stretcher this time, though. It wouldn't be, you know, you getting knocked out. You hit the Olympic Slam, but the ref is occupied with Triple H too much to count the pin. Hunter recovers to give you the pedigree, but the Rock would save the fall. Rock would hit the Rock bottom, and Hunter would make the save. Man, you're the champion. You're getting <laughs> saved a lot here. Was that just how you were being booked? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was a heel champion, so they didn't give me a lot of offense. And um, I started getting concerned after a little while. And uh, what happened was eventually they were making me look so weak. Yeah. Yeah. Patterson came to Vince and said, listen, what you're doing with Kurt, man, you got to stop. I mean, th this guy needs to, needs to you need to add value to this champion. You're, you're making him look illegitimate. You need to make him a, a legitimate champion. He needs to start getting some, some wins, legitimate wins. And uh, so eventually Vince, uh, started having me get wins. Uh, yeah. You know, I started winning as a champion, but it took a little while. Yeah. Because you'd hit Hunter and the, and the rock with the title, but before you get the win, Rikishi would run out and it's a DQ you retain. And that's exactly where I was headed. I mean, I think you getting a pin here, it could have helped really launch you, yeah, you definitely. know, in the title run. Uh, Austin yeah, would know, come out. I, go I, ahead. I do believe the reason why we we're doing all this stuff was we had this hell in a cell six man, in December and they were working up to that. So they had Austin and rock and triple H and undertaker and Rikishi involved with me every week. And, uh, it was almost like they were getting ready for that pay-per-view, even though survivor series was first, they were getting ready for that pay-per-view in December. Did you know who, when you won the title that your first championship opponent would be the undertaker? Did you know that kind of right no, away or no? No, they didn't tell me right away. So I had no idea who it was going to be. And I, I would have, Undertaker was a perfect one for me to have or Rock or Austin, any of those guys, I would have taken them. Yeah. To your point, um, with kind of them building up for, uh, you know, more of that bigger event in December, Austin comes out, lays you out, and then he goes after Rikishi. You would take a stunner to end the show. So you can see how they're still trying. They have that future event, you know, in sight in December. Uh, but you are going to take on the undertaker, which we're going to get to, but did you want to have a rematch with the rock at least once, or maybe even wrestle Austin one-on-one -on -one at this point? Listen, man, I would have taken any of the three, Rock, Austin, or Undertaker. It didn't matter to me as long as I had one of those guys because they were the biggest stars in the business at that particular time. You weren't picky at this point. Oh, no. I, but I knew that eventually I was going to wrestle all of them. Yeah. So, you know, it didn't matter to me, but having Undertaker first, I didn't mind. And again, too, Kurt, you're a rookie. This is your first year. So probably all the stuff being presented to you is like, sure, whatever you need me to do. It's not like yeah. you are a wise man to the business. And like, no, I wasn't well, going to be choosy and say, this yeah. is what? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that doesn't make sense, Vince. I should be wrestling such and such now. Could you imagine? <laughs> yeah, right. They'd be like, rookie, shut up and be glad you got the world title. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, and here's a hilarious matchup. Obviously, you were in the yes, sir, whatever you need me to do headspace because on SmackDown, they tease that you're going to take on the Brooklyn Brawler. Uh, what a match that would have been, buddy. <laughs> I know that, you know, they did that to give get me heat because they knew it would be an easy <laughs> opponent. And I was asking for him. And uh, I thought that was actually clever. 
Yeah, yeah, he's something else. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Well, Mick Foley, he comes out and switches the title shot. Thank you, Mick Foley, to Chris Jericho. And uh, he would win via DQ when Kane attacks. So now we got another, you know, DQ back to back show. And, How come and this just- is around the time when Pat Patterson said, Vince, you got to change this shit? And that's where I was going. It's like legitimate wins. Yeah. 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 You just keep getting, you know, bailed out here. There's no pins. Uh, we'll move on to the following role on the 30th of October from Boston. It's Edge's birthday. That's right. The rated R superstar, Adam Copeland, and he and Christian have the night off. This is, isn't this something? Here we are in 2000. It's 2023. He and Christian are about to face each other for the TNT <laughs> championship. Know, These guys are timeless. They are. And, out forever. <laughs> and Christian's doing some of the best heel work I think he's ever done in his career. It's, it's so fun. But uh, they're having the night off. Stephanie's sick. So you're distracted by everybody. Both you and Hunter are trying to convince Stephanie to leave, but she wanted to see Austin versus Rikishi in a cage match later on. And this relationship, Kurt, between the three of you, how easy was it for you to for all of you to get this over? Oh, it was great. I mean, we all got along really well, so we played our characters well. Nobody was pissed at anybody for real. Uh, we, we just had a lot of fun doing it. It, it really was a lot of fun uh, being being teamed up with Stephanie and Triple H doing this program. Hey guys, listen, this there's great back and forth with all of them. Hunter would be nice to you when Stephanie was around, but would be <laughs> yeah. a dick towards you when she wasn't. And it would lead to you two facing off later on Raw. And you would win via disqualification, of course, <laughs> of when course. Hunter when when Hunter would pedigree you through a table and throw down referee Tim Watt. And uh, did you have any hesitation on taking another pedigree through a freaking table, Kurt, after what happened to you? You know what? I was nervous. I'm not going to lie to you. Going up there again, I was like, please do not break early. But but (laughs) I knew that the first time, that was a one in a million. For the table to break early, at least I knew that the odds were that it wasn't going to happen a second time in a row. But, you know, you never know, man. So I was nervous as hell. Uh, but then again, though it's Kurt, and he's in this rookie Jones time frame where he's like, "Sure, you can pedigree me again on <laughs> yeah, the table. Yeah. I'll do whatever you want." <laughs> <laughs> Please, sir, give me more. Uh, <laughs> after the match, Hunter would clock you with a chair, and then Edge and Christian would come out for the save, and Edge would eat a chair shot. Christian would take a pedigree. Uh, what did they think, Edge and Christian? Do you remember them? What did they say about you being world champ uh, this soon? They were your buddies. Oh man, they, they they were so excited for me. They were happy for me. They were a little bit jealous, to be honest with you. <laughs> we were all tight friends at the time, you know. But I knew that these guys eventually they were going to be formidable singles wrestlers. So I knew. I know. I told them. I said, "Your times are going to come eventually, guys." And it did. Their times came when they were world champions. Buddy, while we're talking about them right now, I uh, got to tell you that this past Wednesday on Dynamite, they had a segment between Edge and Christian, uh, Adam Copeland and Christian, and TBS, their little beepers were not on time. 
And really? Adam Copeland looks at Christian. He says, you can go fuck yourself. Oh, my God. And they said on TV. Live on TV, baby. Oh. And they then, like, well, five, well, five well. seconds later, they try to hit the button. And I'm like, guys, it's way too late. <laughs> Came through clear. Somebody was sleeping on the job. I just look over at my son, and my son just looks over at me, and we're like, okay, guess that one just got right through. Somebody's getting fined. Somebody is getting fined. You're right. Oh, but it was so intense and so badass. And it was like, well, this is definitely not the PG era, but it was good. And, uh, but yeah, totally asleep at the wheel. Go fuck yourself. Wow, man. That's crazy. All right. Well, there's a little of that. S, uh, we move on. Austin destroys Rikishi in the cage. Rock would pin Jericho to earn a number one contenders match at SmackDown against you. Kurt, you've wrestled every show since you became champion. You truly were the wrestling machine. This is a little different than today's world with Roman Reigns, isn't it? Oh, my God, man. <laughs> I wrestled every TV. Raw and SmackDown and then the pay-per-views. I mean, Roman Reigns, he wrestles once every blue moon. So it, it is a lot different, man. They they put me to work, man. They really did. You were what Seth Rollins calls himself a working champion. I mean, you're the I one who's was a working champion. Probably too working of a champion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Well, uh, Kurt, we com- continue on to SmackDown. You retain your title in a match against Rock via DQ. I feel like all I say at this show this week is DQ. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a title, DQ. When Rikishi interferes, after you go off the air, you and Austin are in the ring toasting, and Austin offers you a beer, and you ask for milk because you never drank beer. Austin told you he'd stun you if you didn't drink a beer, and you finally agreed as long as Austin agreed to drive him home. He did, and then <laughs> stunned your ass. Those yeah. all fair segments, man. They were so much fun to watch. How fun was it for you to be a part of? Them? Uh, we had a blast. You know, th- this gave me the ability to learn how to improvise because we didn't practice anything uh, for after the show. It was all improvisation. But I always loved being in the ring with either Rock or Stone Cold because they were so good at it, and it was so funny and entertaining. Yeah, but dude, don't hey, you got to give credit where credit is due. So were you, and and you were good. Would you drive me home? (laughs) I know. And your improv, you know, improvisational skills. uh, You probably didn't realize that you did have them, but you did. It it took me a little time. They pulled them out of you. I got got more and more comfortable. But you know, like when I started out at the very beginning, I just read from the scripts. I didn't improv. So these guys really taught me how to do it. We are talking about the guy that flunked speech class in high school, right? So <laughs> what, what class was it you said last week on the show that you were terrible and you flunked because you, and you can't believe that you'd be doing commercials and stuff later on. Was it speech? Oh, oh uh, presentation classes. Yeah. I presentation. In front of people. Right. That's why, that's why I quit the, my, my major in college. I didn't want to be a business major anymore. So I became a geography major. <laughs> You probably can't even tell me where Africa is on a map. I can, to be honest. I can, yes, yes. (laughs) They drilled that in my head. I know. Oh my god! Yeah, I can't believe you majored in geography. That (laughs) well, the plan was to be a college professor, but I still had to get my teaching degree. So I, what happened was when I was a business degree major, my my um, advisor was a geography professor. Okay. My advisor, so my electives were geography classes. So I was I was taking geography classes while I was doing my business degree. And when my senior year came up, and I didn't want to be a business major anymore, he said, "You know what? You have enough uh, credits to be a geography. Uh, you have a major. geography degree." 
Yeah. I was like, all right, give it to me. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. And boy, you were like, I better be something because I don't know what I'm going to do with a geography degree. <laughs> well, he told me I still had to go get my teaching degree then after that. And you were like, screw that. Huh? Nope, nope. Gonna... <laughs> I gave it up, and I ended up going to the WWE, and I, I never looked back. Oh, well, here you are. We're just a few weeks away now from Survivor Series at this point. It doesn't feel like, again, you and I said we knew it would be Undertaker, but you don't have a challenger. There's no yeah. program. Were, again, were you frustrated, or again, were you still? No, just... I, I knew they, whoever it was going to be, they were going to set me up for a big They figure it out. So being the world champion, you know that they're going to pick uh, somebody formidable. Well, we're at Houston, and it's raw. You and Stephanie come out during an in-ring segment with Vince McMahon and Steve Austin, and now we are months away from you three doing comedy during the invasion angle. But this this right here, this is a pretty big deal for you, is it not? You, Stephanie, oh, Vince, yeah. and Steve you Austin. Two years prior, I'm watching Vince and Stone Cold go oh, at yeah. it on TV in the ring. Here I am standing with them two years later. I'm like, holy shit, this is crazy. You know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Vince McMahon, and Stephanie McMahon all in the ring with me. This was a dream come true. Yeah, it's fun to think of it. Two years earlier, you're a fan like the rest of us, just watching Austin and McMahon like everybody else did. And yes, now sir. here you find yourself in the ring. You get on the mic and you bury the fans in Houston because that's just what you did. And if the fans in Texas want to cheer a loser like Steve Austin, Austin comes towards you, Stephanie stops him, and you end up eating a stunner from Austin anyway. Kurt, you're being booed almost like the honky-tonk man was in his career. What's up with that, man? They hated you. Listen, I know, I know. And like I said, you know, it, it was like every week I was getting a stunner from Stone, Key Steve, Stone Cold Steve Austin or getting a, a pedigree from Triple H or a rock bottom from The Rock. I mean, they were abusing the shit out of me. And that, you know, this is around the time that I told you where Pat Patterson was like, okay, enough's enough. Yeah. You need, you need to give this guy legitimate wins. Later on that night, Vince finds you with Stephanie near his limo, and Vince is trying to get Stephanie to leave. You reassure her that it'll all be fine, and they leave. You turn to the camera and say, it'll be a memorable night for Triple H. This was the end of Stephanie accompanying you to the ring. Why do you think that was? I don't know. I don't know if somebody got upset or, or didn't want to do it anymore. I know I know for sure the reason why this you know, Triple H uh, separated from me is because they didn't want the threesome to go on while him and Stone Cold Steve Austin would be doing a program. Gotcha. So Steve, our biggest star, was back, and they wanted to give him a formidable opponent, so they decided to take Triple H away from me and give him the Stone Cold Steve Austin. And maybe just having Stephanie exit stage left is a part of that, mo mo yeah. moving that yeah. storyline I, I, I believe that's the reason it happened. Well, you would attack Hunter after his match later on that night. Then you would attack The Rock in his locker room. So it feels like somebody noticed, uh, hey, we got to give Kurt the mean streak, like you yeah. mentioned. It. And that somebody was Pat Patterson, which I love. Yes, Pat Patterson is the reason why they started making me aggressive. Yes. Well, Austin is scheduled to team with The Rock to take you and Rikishi on, but The Rock is taken out backstage and then fully sends for an ambulance for him. So it's essentially a handicap match before Triple H comes down to be Austin's tag team partner. And here we go, Kurt. This is what you just mentioned. Eventually, Hunter turns on Austin because, of course, he does. He puts him down with a sledgehammer, and the story is that Hunter is the one who paid Rikishi to hit that him bastard. with the car. <laughs> and you're just there in the background beating Again. off as the show goes off the air. 
Not exactly the top spot for you, Kurt, here, was it? <laughs> no, but don't forget, Stone Cold Steve Austin was back. And, and the whole right. reason for this match that night was to bring Triple H and Stone Cold together. So they wanted to get that program started before they got me started. Well, they definitely got that started, and they'd figure you out another night. So uh, this, this basically, like we said, ends the story between you and Hunter. He's full-blown heel. He's against Steve Austin. Um, I just feel like this could have been done as a blow off at survivor series. Maybe couldn't it have? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I, pro I, I thought it could have been too, and I don't think it would have hurt triple H to have me go over on him. Yeah. So I'm not sure why they did that, why they didn't do that before they started a program with Austin. Well, we move on to SmackDown, and it's from Dallas, Texas. We move from Houston to Dallas. Undertaker defeats Kane, Chris Jericho, and Chris Benoit. So this is how they determined the number one contender. Um, and it's promoted as an anniversary match of sorts because it is Undertaker's 10th anniversary in the company and the anniversary of your first match. So that's kind of cool when you think about it from that perspective. He debuted at a Survivor Series 10 years earlier. Your first match was out of Survivor Series, so it's a couple of anniversary boys here. Um, but here we go. Your first title defense at a WWF pay-per-view is against the dead man, the undertaker. How cool is that? <laughs> that was cool. It was his 10th year anniversary of starting and my 10 one year anniversary. So it was really cool. And, uh, actually they, they didn't do undertaker any favors cause I won. <laughs> yeah. But, and before we get there though, I got to ask you, you're one year in the business have you been able to develop or what does your relationship look like with Undertaker, your friendship? Oh, we were really tight. We At this point, respect. okay. You know, Taker was always into shoot fighting and, you know, uh, grappling. And so he he was a fan of mine being an Olympic gold medalist. So, you know, Undertaker and I had a mutual respect and we really did like each other a lot. Yeah. That's awesome. And, uh, that means too, usually that means you guys are going to work really well together. Uh, when, when you have two guys that are really close, really tight, they end up just, uh, the chemistry sometimes shine through in, in matches. And, and that's what we're going to see here a little bit later. Takers to, uh, is determined to be the number one contender. You come out and say that all the fans in America owe you an apology because, uh, you've been saying how crummy triple H is and how nobody listened to you. You also that would say that you're the only person who the fans can trust and you won't turn your back on them because the fans in Dallas, they need a new hero because the Cowboys that call themselves America's team would fit it if America was comprised of criminals, cretins, and mediocre football players. Man, <laughs> dude, you enjoy just shitting on people's football teams, didn't you? That was my forte back then. That's what they gave me and that's what I did. And it worked. I got a lot of heat for it. Yeah, you were the cheap heat machine, is what you were. <laughs> Definitely cheap heat. That's all the heat I had back then. <laughs> yeah, the wrestling machine and the cheap heat machine. Taker would call you Golden Boy, and that you're standing in his yard, and you'll be his first casualty of Dead Man Incorporated. Would you had liked to have worked with the actual Undertaker uh, in this Dead Man gimmick or the American Badass gimmick? You know what? I like both of them, but honestly, the undertaker, the dead man was the baddest gimmick on the planet. I, 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 I definitely would have rather worked the undertaker, the dead man, the American badass. I just loved the, the dead man gimmick. I really did. You love and it was because you loved his entrance, the gong. Oh the yeah. Yeah. It took like eight to 10 minutes and it was just so intense. You know, I, I absolutely loved it. I told you the, the one time that I was standing out there and they played his music 
and he came out and did his entrance before we wrestled at No Way Out. I almost had an orgasm. <laughs> right, like, that's one that wow, I'll never man, forget. This is awesome, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, when when you when you came in your sl- singlet there. Uh, well, <laughs> Deborah is now the lieutenant commissioner of Mick Foley. What did you think of working with Deborah around this time? Oh, she was great. She was uh, she was always positive. She was uplifting. She was really cool. I, I really enjoyed working with her. Nicest woman I ever met. I mean, she really was. And I, I was really surprised that her and Stone Cold Steve Austin didn't last. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, maybe if it had been a different time in his life, cause I think he was with her when he was going through his own demons. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was at yeah. that particular time. Yes. Well, she informs you that you'll have to wrestle on Sunday night heat against the deserving opponent. Well, th- thank God. I think we're actually going to get a win here now, Kurt. The champion but- wrestling on Sunday night heat. When did that ever happen? <laughs> <laughs> when it's Kurt Angle. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And you uh, you do get a win, and you defeat Crash Holly. You even hit Molly Holly with the Olympic slam, and it's so good. They decide our, it was Kurt, it was so awesome that they said, we got to have a rematch on Raw. Um, do you have any idea why it was so good or why they thought, man, we got to get this in front of a bigger audience? Well, I, I think what they wanted to do was have the match with me and Crash on Sunday Night Heat. And then what they wanted to do is have a six man the next night. So they started with Crash and I. And then they, I think like uh, two guys came down that were teamed with me and two guys came down. Bob Hawley came down yeah. uh, to help out Crash. So it turned into a six man. So it was just yeah. a, an extension of the match the night before. Any uh, memories of working with Crash Holly or anything that you can remember from him? You know him? what? He was such a daredevil. I mean, he had balls, and uh, uh, he, he really did really well. I mean, this kid was so undersized, but it didn't matter. He he looked like he was he wrestled like a giant, even though he was really small. I well, really liked working with him. Yeah, you guys, uh, you get a great reaction with him on Raw. It turns into a schmoz, as you said. Bob, Holly, Edge, Christian against and Undertaker run out to set a six-man up for later in the night, as you mentioned. Undertaker uh, would pin you with a choke slam and power bomb in the six-man, and it makes sense uh, from a booking standpoint to set up the match at, at the pay-per-view. And they even put him over as a heavy favorite to win the match on commentary. What do you think? Do you think that that helps or hurts you, or what's your thoughts on that for them to put him over so strong? Well, I, I think it was the setup, yeah, for me to be the underdog at the pay-per-view. And, uh, you know, I, but I do recall I had a match with Undertaker, and I, I believe I beat him right before the pay-per-view. So um, we were tit-for-tat, one-and-one, and, one, uh, and I was really surprised because when I beat the Undertaker, the, the TV before the pay-per-view, the last TV before the pay-per-view, I thought, oh, man, I think I'm losing the title then. Because there, there's that psychology that if you win the paper or the TV yes. before the pay per view, you're going to yes. lose at the pay per view. That's usually. And I thought that they were set me up to do that. I thought I was going to be the the fastest champion in history, like have a one month run. Which is crazy that at this point you still have no idea you're going to go over at the pay per view, right? I mean, no, they they something. called me uh, the next day to tell me, hey, bring your brother. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, and we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. Yeah. So if, let's talk about that SmackDown. I'll mention it here briefly. It is that go home show. You team with Kane to take on Jericho and Undertaker. You pin the Undertaker, as you said, and uh, that's three days the before the show. Uh, so there you go. And and as you explained just now, Kurt, 
at the time, it really didn't make a lot of sense to you because, unless you thought you were going to lose at the pay-per-view, <laughs> yeah, right? I thought I was going to lose the title. Yeah. Uh, so here you go. You're heading into your first pay-per-view. It's in Tampa, Florida. And by the way, that's where the Rumble's going to be at this year. You're the champion. Kurt, we have the match. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to fire it up. We're going to mute and listen to some. We're going to talk through a lot of it, too, because I have some notes here and some questions that I want to ask you from Meltzer as we watch it. Uh, are you ready to check this out? Yeah, I can't wait, man. This will be All right, fun. here we go. It's Kurt Angle, his first title defense, having won the WWF Championship against The Undertaker at Survivor Series 2000. Tell somebody, oh, what you doing? Hey, oh, wait a minute. No wonder Kurt had a little trepidation about getting in the ring. Undertaker wants to use weapons. He wants to hit people with chairs. No wonder it's... 10 years of destruction. The champion using the referee as a shield. Wait, wait a minute. And now Undertaker symbolically saying, there's a now it's an even fight. What? Undertaker just gave up a steel chair. He got a, what? Well, come on, Rip. Undertaker said it was okay. No, it's not, it's not, it's not okay. It's not okay to use a steel chair. Undertaker said it was. Oh, wait a minute. Undertaker said it was. Her so you use the steel chair, Kurt. It looked like so your daughter could have hit me harder with a steel chair than that. <laughs> I didn't get much of a swing, man. I got too close <laughs> to the Undertaker. He told me to whack him, and I, I did the best I could. I, I knew it was okay for me to say that when you giggled after you saw the chair <laughs> shot. <laughs> uh, that was a <laughs> Oh, man. All right. So here you are. You're attacking him in the corner. Referee, uh, man, should be a Hall of Famer. Earl Hebner is, uh, is, is, is on the call for this one. Um, this is uh, some notes from the Observer that I want to read as, as we watch this match together. Edge and Christian and yourself did an interview. And um, Edge and Christian thought Angle was going to ask for their help against The Undertaker. So they did their faking illness. Christian, Christian claimed he had mono. Uh, but he said he didn't need it. Angle invited them to a non-alcoholic post-match celebration. They are hilarious, dude. How much fun did you have with Edge and Christian? You know what? They were great, man. They were so much fun. They were some of the un most entertaining wrestlers I've ever been around. I mean, those guys, they made me laugh the whole time. I had so much fun with those guys for the, for the years that we were together. It was awesome. The, uh, the observer goes on. He said, they said, uh, Dave Meltzer said, Kurt Angle pinned Undertaker to retain, retain the WWF title in 16 minutes and 47 seconds. Undertaker with a new ring outfit with pants that look like something <laughs> stolen from that 70s guy gimmick. Almost looked like those early 70s out of the ring photos of Andre wearing that 70s funky clothes with the belly and being a giant. They really pushed that at the Survivor Series in 1990. We'll get to the pants here in a minute. They really pushed it at the Survivor Series in 1990. Undertaker beat Hulk Hogan for the WWF title. I think that only served to make people think that Undertaker is really old. So but before we move into some of this stuff, let's talk about how things changed here, Kurt, in 10 years. From wrestling Hulk Hogan 10 years earlier to now he's wrestling a real American hero <laughs> in Kurt Angle. Uh, this is pretty cool, man. He went from, you know, Hokamania America Hogan to our, our Olympic gold medalist and hero, Kurt Angle, 10 years later. That is pretty cool, man. Undertaker wrestling Hulk Hogan 10 years prior and then me now, or at this particular time. Uh, actually, man, that, that was really freaking cool. They, uh, I'm going to just jump right into it, and it's the pants, because uh, there's a story that I wanted to share with you about this, and I'm not sure if you've heard it or not yet, but uh, this came from <laughs> Inside it. the Ropes. 
Here we go. Many fans have long believed that the undertaker who had transitioned into his American badass persona had lost his luggage on a flight, which included <laughs> his ring gear, which led him to borrow a tire from his friend and fellow wrestler, the Godfather. Okay. This is what fans thought had happened here. <laughs> However, undertaker revealed that he planned his entire, ch uh, attire change in advance of the show, despite facing opposition In a recent episode of the six feet under podcast undertaker recalled his conversation with Terry Anderson, the person responsible for his ring gear throughout his career. He expressed his desire to don Python skin pants for the event, believing it would enhance his American badass character. However, Terry Anderson firmly advised against it, citing concerns about the pants looking ridiculous on someone of his stature. Undeterred, the undertaker insisted on his vision, convinced it would be the coolest look he has ever presented. I remember going to her. I'm the American badass at this point. I go to her because she was like, hey, what do you want to do for Survivor Series? I said, I want to do Python skin pants. She looks at me at deadpan. No, you don't. They will be, and he says, they will be badass. Think about it. Snake skin pants. She said, Mark, no. Are you kidding me? I thought she would love the idea. She said, you're too big. They're going to look ridiculous. <laughs> no, he said, this is the coolest, going to be the absolute coolest look the American Badass has ever presented. She said, no, Mark, it is not. <laughs> As the day of the event arrived, Undertaker realized the gravity of his decision. When he finally put on the sake skin pants, he couldn't help but feel that they resembled something that belonged to the Godfather. <laughs> Despite the doubts and criticisms he faced, Undertaker was grateful that the commentary team, including Jim Ross and Michael Cole, showed him respect and refrained from mocking his choice. <laughs> that was the one good point of having the respect of JR, Michael Cole, and those guys. They were so respectful. They could have had a field day with me if they wanted to. I caught some crap that day. A couple of people were like, are you really going to wear those? <laughs> Reflecting on the aftermath, Undertaker acknowledged that even Vince McMahon was taken aback when he saw the pants. McMahon reportedly exclaimed, there's no way that can be my world champion. <laughs> That's probably why I won the match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why you did. Yeah. So, Kurt, what do you think about the pants? Oh, they're hideous. But I couldn't <laughs> tell them that. Nobody's going to tell the Undertaker. The only person that actually told him was Vince. But I, I don't know if any of his friends, Godfather might have said something, but man, I didn't. How funny is that story, dude? That's for sure. <laughs> How good is that story about his go, his back and forth with Terry Anderson? Oh, oh man, that's, that's awesome. You know what? It just, just shows the humility that Undertaker went through. You know, he, he, he was, you know, he's actually cool enough to say, you know what? I fucked up. And, and that, that that's really cool that Undertaker did that. Did you ever, uh, did Terry Anderson ever do any of your gear? Yes, she has. I usually had Julie Anderson that did my gear, but uh, Terry Ron did it every once in a while. Yeah. Were they all related to Arn Anderson? Is this like the Anders Anderson family? Oh, I'm no, kidding. I know they're, I know. Uh, costume lady. Oh, okay. Yeah. You <laughs> I'm not um, that much of a mark. <laughs> right. But okay. no, no, they've been doing costume work for like, I guess, 30 something years now. Yeah, well, uh, Terry Anderson, I love it because she just shot straight with the taker, which I think is kind she of the funnest thing. She did, and she was right. <laughs> yeah. Well, here come your boys. We got Edge and Christian ringside here, and, and Undertaker, good old snake skin. He's ready to choke slam your ass, and you kick him to the gut. Um, 
Undertaker said old school, and he's going to do his walk spot. Angle, this is for Meltzer. Angle got beat on for a long time before finally hitting German suplexes in this match. Outside the ring, Taker rammed Angle's back into the post twice. Edge and Christian came out, which we just saw here. Christian was supposed to snap Taker's neck on the top rope, but that spot totally gets messed up. So we're going to have to look for that. I, I don't think you haven't seen that happen yet, have you? No, no, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, Taker beats up both guys and then hits the choke slam on Angle, but uh, Edge and Christian had Earl Hebner distracted. Uh, why don't you talk to us a little bit as we watch this? Do you remember what it was like putting this whole match together uh, with you know the what? Taker? Yeah, you know, Taker allowed me to put in my two cents, which I thought was really cool, but um, I was still learning at this particular time, so he put most of the match together, but he allowed me to put some of my two cents in, which I thought was Really cool of Undertaker to do that for me. Especially with you only having been in the business for a year at this point. Yeah, this was only a year at this particular time. So it was really cool that he trusted me to be able to add, you know, whatever I did into the match. Uh, Meltzer goes on to say that Angle went for the figure four, but Taker turns it. Taker would hit a power slam for a good near fall. Angle did the figure four around the post. So we're going to see that. Uh, finish comes when Angle went under the ring. And I can't wait to see this. Taker pulls him out, or supposedly it's Kurt's brother dressed up as him. Taker <laughs> hits the last ride on him, but before Hebner counted three, he mysteriously stopped. <clears throat> Excuse me. The real angle comes from the other side of the ring, and schoolboys Taker for the pin. It's one of those finishes you either love or hate. Meltzer gives it two and three-quarter stars. Oh, I, I know. He didn't give us much credit for it, but I thought it was brilliant. I really did. My brother looked exactly like me. <laughs> We're going to see that here in a minute. But uh, who's uh, is this a Pat Patterson call? Here comes that. Here comes the the spot we talked about with the choke slam. I think. Or I don't know what happened, but I think something. they were supposed to pull him over the top. I got gotcha. you. They, they didn't do it, so Undertaker went out and beat him up and made him leave. <laughs> this is one I think you do uh, some chicanery here while Hebner's distracted. You're going up for the choke slam. Oh, he gets you. And he has you. Oh, this is it. He has you for the pen and heaven. There's nowhere to be found. Yeah. The thing was, he was supposed to pull Undertaker over the top. I got Undertaker you. He was going to beat him up and distract him. And Undertaker was going to go back in and give me a choke slam. But they forgot. So Undertaker had to go out and do whatever he had to do. Guys, you only had one job. Okay. What are we doing? <laughs> You know what? That shows how seasoned Undertaker is, you know? Yeah, well, he knew how to go ahead and try to figure out a, a different way of getting things done, but still yeah. getting it done. Uh, so we move on here, and and I was talking about the twin magic, okay? That's what has now become twin magic with the Bella Twins pulled that stuff off. Who's that? Was this a Pat Patterson idea? Um, I'm not sure. I think that Brian Gewurz came up with it because he knew my brother and I looked very identical. And uh, so I remember my brother being so excited about it. This actually gave him a contract. That's why the WLB brought him in uh, after this match. He got a contract with the WLB. He started training at OVW. So this is kind of a cool way, but the only thing is, is he, I mean, you got, like you said, you guys look so close. I mean, it, there's no doubt about it that you're brothers. Oh yeah. We looked identical, man. I mean, you could barely even tell. So we're going to get there. We're going to watch Ch uh, Twin Magic. Let's listen to a little bit of the commentary here with uh, Ross and Cole. Well, you got to say, well, he, don't even 
didn't talk about Goofy Kid. I mean, let's talk about what a role model he is for the youth of America. Can you imagine how upset the youth of America would be if a, our Olympic gold medal champion lost to a, well, a, a badass figure four? So Undertaker's going to turn this, and uh, we're going. I'm going to ask a couple fan questions here, Kurt, as we watch the end of this match. Brad Stanton says Undertaker has the best looking working punches. How do they feel? You don't feel them at all. I mean, I remember the first time he did it. He teed up. He grabbed my chin, and I made this face like, oh, like I was going to get crushed. And Undertaker's like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> because I, I was like giving this face like I was going to get knocked out, like I was squinching my face <laughs> he was like he, he teased me till this day about it he's like remember the first time i tried to give you a punch and you like turned your face and made that weird face i was like yeah because i thought you were gonna knock me out but you couldn't feel anything when undertaker threw a punch and it looked so real i mean he mastered that better than anybody i was gonna ask you a better working punch because i've seen another guy do some good ones to you he or samoa joe Yep, Samoa Joe's pretty good at it, too. He stiffs you every once in a while, but he's not bad with that. <laughs> I'm just telling you, Undertaker had it perfect. Okay. He had it down perfectly, yeah. Joey, the Tori Amos guy, did you own a pair of those sweatpants Taker was rocking? So <laughs> these are the skin. The I think he's talking about those snakeskin pants. Kurt, do you have a pair that you break out every no, once in a while? No, no, man. I can't believe Undertaker actually wore them. I don't know what he was thinking. I mean, looking back, you know, snake pants. Uh, I mean, that's kind of 50, 50, but looking at it now, it's like, Whoa. I mean, <laughs> I can't imagine you in snake skin pants either. No, Come on. no, I wouldn't wear snake a little Alice Cooper pants. style. Patrick Ruth says, uh, what was Eric's reaction to being involved? This had to be pretty cool for him. Oh, he was so excited. He couldn't believe it. He's like, you guys actually want me to do this. I said, yeah, yeah, this is gonna be great, Eric. And you know what? Eventually he got a job because of it. And, and Eric was doing pretty well in OVW till he got injured and, uh, he ended up having surgery and crazy stuff happened after that where, uh, his elbow ended up, uh, getting an infection. And so they had, the WLB ended up releasing him because he was taking too long, uh, with his injury. We, uh, our final questions from Dylan, he said, Kurt set all debate for me is the American badass, the greatest of the undertaker gimmicks. Hell no. Hell no. The, the dead man undertaker, I believe is the greatest gimmick of all time. I, yes. I really do. I love the undertaker as the dead man. And that's my story. And I'm sticking to it. I do love those. Some of the motorcycle entrances with some of the, the cool music from back, like the kid it, rock. It is cool. It limp yeah. biscuit and him yes. the motorcycle was pretty badass, but yeah, yeah the dead man is the, the coolest gimmick ever. One, uh, a few more comments here as we see, and you taking shots to the gut and, uh, undertaker just flinging you around the ring, like a rag doll here. It, uh, Meltzer said the win was necessary to establish angle who hadn't scored any pins over top flight contenders since winning the title. It was also a much better match than undertaker and angle had during their previous pay-per-view meeting showing just how much in just a few months that Kurt angle has improved in becoming one of the premier all around performers in the wrestling world. And yes, I'm definitely adding a lot of, of, of enthusiasm as I read that, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's what it said here. Um, so, uh, you know, but Kurt, like you said, 
I was under the tutelage and working with guys like Austin, like Hunter, Rock, Undertaker, and with the athletic ability, and as we've heard from countless others, how you were one of the quickest to pick up wrestling, you couldn't have asked for a better cast of characters or performers to learn from than the ring, than these Hall of Famers. Oh, no, they set me up really good. Vince set me up to succeed. He really did. Because I learned so much from these guys. Undertaker, Stone Cold, The Rock, Triple H, you name it, man. These guys really helped me quite a bit. These are guys that are listed on many people's Mount Rushmore of all-time great performers. Ric Flair did a show recently. His Mount Rushmore was Hogan, Austin, Undertaker, and Shawn Michaels. Austin, Undertaker, and Michaels, buddy, those are three guys that you worked with a lot. Yeah, I did. I did. And, and, and I think, uh, Ric Flair's uh, definitely right about that, that, um, Mount Rushmore. I, I agree with them. I, but mine changes every so often. Yeah. yeah every other I'm show. Yeah. Or <laughs> yeah. So we've been through your top 10. It's like top a hundred and it's like a top 10. It's <laughs> yeah. great though. But I, I think it goes to, it goes to show though, Kurt, there's just so many great performers that have been in the business. There are, man. You got to, you know, you got to look at Hulk Hogan and even Andre the Giant. I mean, some of these guys that were in the past, Bruno Sammartino, uh, there are just so many great wrestlers, great performers that you forget about and you, you know, you end up remembering and you add them in the Mount Rushmore. So you can't just pick four, it's impossible. Well, Kurt, we just witnessed you get the win. We see your brother. We don't get an up close personal face shot of him, but just looking at what we're seeing. God, it's it's uncanny, uh, the resemblance. You come in, get the pin, and uh, and that's how this one ends. Kurt, as we uh, start to wrap up this episode, I did want to talk to you and ask you how your brother Eric is doing and uh, with his fight and his battle that he's currently going through. He's doing really well. Uh, he's fight. He's been fighting through this kidney transplant. Uh, he still has to wear a mask every day because of infections. Um, he goes to the doctor, I think, once a week still and gets a checkup, but he's doing really well. Um, you know, I know he suffered for quite some time, but he, he's starting to get over the hump, and I'm really happy. No, oh, that's great to hear, man. And uh, will you? do you think you'll see him sometimes around Christmas holiday season? Or Oh, yeah, he's coming to our Christmas party. So uh, oh, That's cool. But I go to lunch with him almost uh, once every two weeks. So we keep in touch, and we get together, and we talk about stuff, and He's doing really well, so I'm, I'm really proud that uh, he's been able to overcome this. That's awesome. Well, thank you for the update on that, uh, which is kind of cool uh, that we got to see him as part of this amazing match here at Survivor Series. Guys, I mentioned this at the top of the show. Uh, we're either having a very special guest join us next week, or we may be talking about your first Hell in a Cell match at Armageddon 2000, Kurt. My favorite match, uh, 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 Hell in a Cell match, my favorite of all time, because we had the biggest stars in the business in this match. This was incredible. It was Undertaker, Triple H, Rikishi, Stone Cold, uh, The Rock, and myself. I mean, you you look at that cast right there. That there, You can't beat that. That's incredible. Yep. So it's going to be one of the two. But, uh, man, this has been such a, a great show. And uh, talking about all the DQs until Kurt finally got a pin. 
Survivor Series. Well, hey, and you got one at the SmackDown, and so it's like back-to-back pins. So Pat yeah, Patterson you know, shaking twice in a row. Who's done Pat, that? <laughs> yeah, Pat Patterson's shaking some people around, telling them, "Hey, we got to get this guy some wins." Guys, listen, remember, check out all of Kurt's past top impact moments over at impactwrestling.com forward slash packages and sign up with code Kurt. We would appreciate that, man. He's got so much great matches over there and his career. I had a better career in TNA than I did in WWE. I know. And it's all over there. So check it out. Uh, By the way, we've mentioned it here before. We'll do it again. If your business targets 25 to 54-year-old men, there's no better place to advertise than right here on the Kurt Angle Show. Go to advertisewithangle.com right now and find out more about how you uh, can be advertised right here on the Kurt Angle Show. We've done many ads with some of the same uh, companies for years. Manscaped, man, Kurt is having so much fun reading Manscaped ads right (laughs) now. I love Manscaped. His candy cane has some of these ads, man. <laughs> his candy cane has never been sweeter than it has this season. And so it's check it out. Really nice. <laughs> hey, they are. His Christmas balls have never looked so shiny. So if you want to advertise with us, check it out. Advertise with angle.com and uh, pick up some merch. Go to boxagimmicks.com and find some Kurt Angle show merch. We'd be thankful for it we're wearing our kurt angle show merch every week on the show and so support us over there uh but go to youtube we're climbing to seventy thousand. youtube.com forward slash the angle pod like subscribe turn on those notifications even even as you're watching us right now come on give us those likes that helps our algorithm and we really do appreciate it so much when you do that but you know what time it is now now it's time for you to learn how you can look like randy orton how you can look like Kurt Angle. And that's because of Smart Snacks. Kurt, tell them all about it. Smart Snacks, crispy protein bites. That's right. Randy Orton's taking them. He's using them. I'm using them. They're great. Great for your diet. Um, I've been using this for the last few years, and uh, they're incredible. They taste amazing. We have four different flavors now. Uh, One's cheese pizza. One is cinnamon swirl. One's uh, buffalo barbecue or buffalo wild wing and and sweet barbecue. So there's four flavors. They're all incredible. Go to physicallyfit.com to order yours. You'll absolutely love them. I promise. Guys, listen, by the way, next weekend's a big weekend for Kurt, just so that you know that, uh, he's got a birthday coming up next weekend. Okay. Double nickels, double nickels, Kurt. Yeah. Yeah. 55, man. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm now, uh, 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 senior citizen. (laughs) said like a true senior citizen too yeah yeah i forgot what i had to say let me see here uh so he's gonna be 55 and you're gonna be able to find him at steel city con uh on his birthday sign an autograph i'll be at steel city con uh yeah yeah right big celebration big birthday celebration that day Bring him cake, stuff it in his face, and I'll take a picture. We'll post it on social media. It'll be great. (laughs) Check out (laughs) Smart Snacks. Project One Nutrition, his favorite snack for birthday is cookies and milk, but he's got a cookies and cream protein shake that you can pick up now. Kurt, tell him about Project One Nutrition. Project One uh, Cookies and Cream, Kurt Angle's American Dream Cookies and Cream Protein. Go to projectonenutrition.com. Uh, the protein is incredible. You'll absolutely love it. It's the best tasting protein on the market. Very high protein, very low carb. You're going to absolutely love it. I promise that too. 
There you go. And finally, we can't get out of here with telling you about Kurt's favorite whole ball of wax. It's KurtAnglebrand.com. That's where you're going to find your cards, birthday cards, whatever cards you want, T-shirts, milk cartons, cowboy hats, cameo video messages, which, man, he knocks out of the park and he ends every single one of them with it's true, it's damn true. <laughs> go ahead over to KurtAnglebrand.com. And Kurt, what will they find over there? The whole ball of wax. Even autograph photos if you want them. I'll send them right to you. Wow. KurtAnglebrand.com for the Kurt Angle lover in your life. And it's probably you if you're listening to this show. So please go ahead and take care and advantage. Great stocking stuffers. Who doesn't want a milk carton in their stocking stuffers? I know I do. Kurt, thank you so much for doing this with me this week. Thank you, Paul. I had a lot of fun, man. There you go. Well, listen, on behalf of your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, this is Paul Bromwell, and we'll see you right back here next week on another episode of The Kurt Angle Show. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.